We're in this series called When You're Going Through Hell, and we started last week talking about a guy named Job. And if you've never read the book of Job, it's quite a doozy. In the first few chapters, we hear right off the bat that Job was this righteous man, loved the Lord, had this great family, thriving business. He was super wealthy, like everything you could possibly want. This guy kind of had it going on and he lost it all. All of a sudden the devil wanted to sift him and God allowed it to happen. And Job lost his, all of his children. He lost his businesses. He lost his health. I mean, it was like devastating. And so, so last week we talked about how, how do you get through all of that? This week I want to talk about how to turn the tide and we're going to skip the middle section of Job. It's huge. It's very big from about Job four to about Job 40 is basically Job arguing with his friends. It's pretty tedious, but I'm going to try to do a quick summary if I can of what that was about, because I think it is important, but basically he had Three friends that came to see him, another guy came a little bit later, and basically they accused him, Eliphaz accused him of secret sin, like, oh, the reason this happens is because you really have sin and we just don't know about it. Um, And he also accused him of being arrogant and proud. Bildad, another one of his friends, uh, accused Job's children of dying because of their secret sins. I mean, you're like, wow, these are quite the friends, right? And so uh, they came to console him, but they really weren't consoling him at all. Another friend of his accused him of being a a hypocrite, uh, being insincere, deceitful, and then the last friend, um, basically accused him of rejecting God's discipline. This is God disciplining you. And of course, they were all wrong. God basically eventually comes to all of them and says, you guys are wrong you're, you, because you're, you're painting this picture of my character like basically I just punish people all the time and that's not how I roll. God's a God of justice, but he's also a God of grace and mercy. We don't get what we deserve, thank God. And so basically at the end of the book of Job, Job chapter 42, God speaks of how he turned things around for Job. So wouldn't it be great if we could just skip all the drama and turn things around? Doesn't that sound great? Like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you actually turn the tide of your suffering and, into something good again? Well, I wanna show you that today. So I wanna go right to that, Job chapter 42. If you got your Bibles or your Bible app, you can turn there now. And we're gonna talk about how you can basically turn the tide of your suffering. I'm gonna give you six quick points. Gonna go pretty fast. You guys ready to roll? I'm ready to dive right in because I don't know about you. Yeah, let's do this because... I don't want your suffering lasting any longer than it has to. And so God shows us how we can turn the tide of our suffering and our pain. And so if you've experienced any kind of loss, then I bet this message will really apply to you. I know it certainly has applied to me. So I'm going to dive right in. Look at Job chapter 42, starting in verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord. Basically, Job is accusing God. He he first argues with his friends, and he begins to argue with God. He's like, God, why did you let this happen? And God goes on this tirade with Job. And he's like, were you there when I, when I laid the foundations of the world? Were you there when I put the stars in the sky? Were you there when, when I made the Leviathan? That's, by, by the way, dinosaurs. The Bible talks about dinosaurs. I don't know if you knew that, Job chapter 40. So it's pretty cool. He describes all the, the dinosaurs. And he says, well, you know, can you, can you, he, he describes in great detail this dinosaur. And he says, um, basically, can you stop that dinosaur? What he was trying to say was, do you think you can stop my hand? Like, I'm God. And so I, I think we tend to forget, we, we kind of get mad at God like he's our co-pilot. When he's not, he's our king. And we forget that, that, that it's, it's, it's his choice to do what he wants to do. And I don't mean this to sound cutting or hurting. I'm not trying to make light of your pain. But until you get to a point where you can accept that God did what God wants to do, you'll be stuck. And so I don't say this to, to, to hurt you, to, to lack compassion, but God basically is saying, you're asking why and I'm answering with who. You're saying, why God, why God? And God's saying, here's who I am. So what he's basically saying was, I'm, I'm God. I do what I want to do. And you have to accept that this was one small piece in the larger picture of what I'm doing in the world. So God does allow suffering and pain to happen to all of us. None of us get out of this world unscathed. None of us. We all go through 
difficulties. Job chapter 42, verse one. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. Now Job is saying, okay, clearly I'm questioning you, but you're God and I don't understand and I'm never gonna fully understand because you're God and I'm not. So Job was recognizing he needs to get small. He showed up big, flaring up, God, why? And then he realized, God, I'm probably just not gonna get that answer. Instead, I just recognize that you're God. You do what you wanna do. It's your prerogative, it's your world, God, not mine. And so that's where Job finally comes to this conclusion that God's really in control and he's willing to accept it. James chapter five says this, you have heard of Job's endurance and you have seen the Lord's purpose that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So I don't say this to say that God doesn't have mercy for you. God feels your pain and he loves you and wants to help you through it. But notice it doesn't change what God did. So he loves you. He wants to help you. But what God allowed, God allowed. As painful as that is. Job chapter one, let's go back to the very beginning. What did Job say? He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise be the name of the Lord. Job's like, it's your prerogative. You can do what you want to do, God, and I can't stop as much as I'd like to. I can't. So the first thing I want to challenge you to do is to accept that God is in control and that your suffering is part of a larger divine plan that you're just not going to fully understand. If you are waiting to understand why you've gone through what you've gone through, you're going to be stuck in that. Instead, begin to focus on who God is and what he has next. Just want to encourage you to do that. That may seem discouraging to you, but is there ever really going to be a good answer? Like is God going to go, oh, here's why I let you uh, lose your whole business. Oh, here's why I let your loved one die. Like you're going to go, oh, that's why. Okay, I'm cool with it now. No, you're not going to be cool with it. So instead you say, God, I don't understand, but I still love you. I'm still going to look to you. I'm still going to trust in you. So I have to accept your will, even when I don't like it. I have to accept it. So accept God that he's in control. And it's, a, it, it's something that he allowed to happen in the larger picture of his will that needed to happen. And this is really the important part. I want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to allow your suffering to draw you close to God. I want to encourage you to do this. God spoke to Job about who he was more than he did about why he did what he did. In fact, in fact, God never gave Job an answer why. He just said, here's who I am. And he revealed himself to him. Job 42 says this, you said, listen, and I will speak. And I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. Job, the righteous, most righteous man, you know, in this entire area, he was like the, the most godly guy uh, of all of his town. And he basically says, I thought I knew you. Guys, I need to let you into something. You really don't know the Lord until you've gone through hell and back. Until you've been rejected, betrayed, hurt. Until you've, you've had someone steal something from you that you care for greatly. Until you've gone through something, you really don't know the heart of God. I mean, even, even God says in, in the New Testament, he says, to know Christ is to know his suffering. Why did you think you could know Jesus without knowing the cross? There's just no way to really know God without knowing some suffering. And then after Job goes through all this pain, all this difficulty, God is talking to Job's friends. He's basically getting on him, but he refers to Job four different times. He doesn't just say Job anymore. Now he says, my servant Job. See, there's something about painful times that makes us shift gears to becoming God's servant. 
There's something about it that it humbles us, doesn't it? It causes us to be his servant. Psalms 34 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. So allow your suffering to draw you close to God. And of course, the next thing is clear, and that's to humble ourselves. Job humbled himself to God, you're in charge, I'm not. I realize that I've been asking questions that I'm never going to get answers to. Every time I say why, you just tell me who you are. So the, the, the why must be, you want me to know you. You want me to really know you and to walk with you. Job 42.6 says, I take back everything I said, and I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. He realizes, who am I to question you? Basically, what happens is if we're honest with ourselves, the reason we're saying God is we're saying, God, you answer to me. And God's saying back, no, I don't. You answer to me. God says, I don't answer to you. You answer to me. And so we have to get the order right. And nothing gets the order right in our life like pain. Nothing causes us to recognize we're really not in charge of our life when we, when we don't get what we want. That you say, okay, God, you're, you really are in charge and, and I'm really not as much as I wish I was. Psalms 1830 says, God's way is perfect. When you can say God's way is perfect, middle of your pain, you get it. When we can say, I don't understand. I don't know why I got cancer. I don't know why I lost my child. I don't know why I went through this divorce. I don't know why this person betrayed me. But God, your ways are perfect. Somehow God's ways are perfect in an imperfect world. In the middle of heartache, in the middle of difficulties. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord. This is not easy to do. By the way, I want to encourage you to be here next week. I just really feel led to, to, to shift gears next week and talk about when the world is going to hell, what should you do? I mean, if you're like me, you're watching all the stuff going on in Israel right now thinking this is crazy, but it's actually fulfilling prophecy. And so I'm going to show you next week how we really are in the end times. I'm going to show you through scripture, but instead of being scared, I think you're going to leave encouraged. So I want to encourage you to be here next week. We're going to really unpack what's going on with Hezbollah and Hamas and why is Iran involved and what does it have to do with Israel and what does it have to do with America? And, you know, just we're going to put it all together next week. So be sure to be here next week as we unpack that. I promise you, you will not fall asleep next week's message. We're going to unpack why this is going on. So don't miss it. Humble yourself before the Lord, though. It's something that we all have to do. We all go through this difficulty. Now, this is crazy. This is just, this, this verse blows my mind. Job 42, 7 through 9 says something that just kind of freaks me out. It's like, there's no way God's going to now bring this up. But he does. Job is, God's talking to Job. Job finally turns a corner and realizes, okay, God, I just accept what you've done. I just, you're God and you can, you can give, you can take away. He just admits it. Okay, God, whatever you want to do, right? So then he says, okay, now, he, like he immediately, God shifts and is like, okay, you get it now. Then he says, let's talk to your friends. So apparently he was, God was satisfied with Job getting it. So I was like, okay, now let me, come here, guys. Let's talk to you. Then he basically gets Eliphaz, who clearly was the oldest one. And so he kind of, he said, hey, let me talk to you and your buddies. You guys are all wrong. And he basically gets on him and says, you guys are accusing Job of being in sin. And, and that's why I took his family, but that's not exactly what he did at all. In other words, God was saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because they have no idea the conversation God was having with the devil and how the devil said, hey, Job only loves you because you bless him. But if you take away his blessings, he'll curse you to your face. And God says, no, he won't. And God allowed the devil to, to, you know, cause all this kind of harm. And it was a test for Job and Job passed the test. He never, by the way, cursed God ever, never did. He questioned God. He never cursed him. So I want to tell you, if you're going through a hardship, it's okay to question God. Just don't turn away from God. It's okay to say, God, I don't understand. But I just want to warn you, you can get stuck in that I don't understand a long time because you may never understand. 
But instead, you just say, God, you're God. I'm going to follow you anyways. That's what Job eventually does. And when, and when Job did that, he's like, okay, pause, Job. I'll be right back. Come here, guys. He calls him and says, I'm mad at you. You guys got this all wrong. They were accusing Job of not being godly, of being a hypocrite. And that's why God did all this, because God was punishing you. Because they were basically drawing a picture that God's this mean God, waiting for you to mess up so he can, mess, so he can strike you. So he can be like, I don't like you anymore. I will crush you. You know, that's that, this picture of God like that. And that's not who God is at all. God's like, I'm a merciful God. That's not why this happened at all. So he's mad at him because he's like, you misrepresented me. So we have to be really careful, by the way, with all these TikTok preachers now and, and these people with big Instagram followings. And there's a lot of misrepresenting of God going on. And people just say, God says this and God says that. And my answer is always, which verse are you going to quote for that? You're talking a lot about who God is, but you're not quoting anything from his word. So be really careful. There's a lot of misquoting of God, a lot of misrepresentation of who God is. God gets on Job's friends and says, you think you know me? Job walks with me and he doesn't know me. And you think you know me? So he gets on him. So let's pick up in scripture here. After the Lord finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends. That's a scary verse, by the way. Can you imagine God looking at you? Hey, I'm angry with you. I'll be like, oh, what have I done? Right? He says, I'm angry with you. He said, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Go to my servant Job for a burnt offering for yourselves. He says, hey, the guy that you're mad at is the only way I'm going to get, get you back in order with me is you got to go to Job. They're like, we have to go back to the guy we accuse of not being godly and ask him to pray for us? Like, what? So this must have been a really humbling moment for, their fr for his friends because they were like, you're accusing him of not being godly. He's way closer to me than you are. Ouch, Right? So he says, hey, go to Job, go to my servant Job, offer and ask him to offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve for you have not spoken accurately about me my, as my servant Job has. So it is the Lord commanded and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now this is crazy, but when Job was praying for his friends and, 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 and creating a, an offering, a burnt offering, uh, he was basically saying, I forgive you. Like I'm doing this for someone that just hurt me. You know, doesn't Jesus say that? Jesus says, love your enemies. Isn't that crazy? So th this is something that may sound crazy, but in the middle of your pain, if you're really suffering right now, the best thing you can do right now is forgive everyone who's ever hurt you. I know that seems like, wait, what? I'm going through it. I'm going through all this pain. You're bringing up something from 20 years ago. No, I'm not bringing it up. God is. I don't even know about 20 years ago, but you suddenly brought that up in your brain. It's as if you haven't let something go. You see, God understands something that he is such a just and loving God that he doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us something beyond what we deserve. He gives us forgiveness. And so God's like, I will forgive you, but you gotta, you gotta let this stuff go. The best way for you to stay in your suffering is to harbor anger. Maybe you lost someone you love. And then there was a funeral after that. And at the funeral, someone said something stupid to you and you're still mad about it. The problem with you staying mad about that is it keeps you stuck at that funeral instead of moving forward. So you have to learn to let those things go. Remember years ago, I had a handful of people really betray me in the church. Really hurt me bad, deeply. I mean, it, it really wounded me. And I was so hurt, I didn't know what to do with this hurt and it, 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 they had discredited me or they tried to anyways and, and, and talked it up about how God's hand wasn't on my life anymore and this church was done and you know, we, we, our best days were you know, behind us and we would never be the same and Bill's not the same guy and just really tried to hurt me and it really, it, really, it really hurt. But I will tell you that 
when I was in the middle of that pain, the Lord really challenged me and to say, I'm God, I know what I'm doing. Because I was like, God, why'd you let this happen? Why'd you let me trust these people? And the Lord just reminded me, I'm God. I can do what I want. And I'm going to get my will done through this. Looking back, God has blessed us. But I will tell you, I had to forgive them. If I ever see them again, I'll just hug their necks and say, hey, how you doing? So, in fact, a, a number of years ago, a lady that hurt me prior to this, that was a part of our church years before, came to me and said, I want to tell you that I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. And I said, oh, that's so nice of you to say that. I'm honored that you say that, but I forgave you years ago. See, the thing is, is that if you're waiting to forgive someone until they come to you, you may be waiting the rest of your life. If you're waiting for your ex to come to you, knock on the door and say, I see the error of my ways, you're waiting a long time. <laughs> that day is probably not coming. When I hear people tell me, well, if they just ask forgiveness, then I'll forgive them. But God didn't wait for us to ask forgiveness before he went to the cross. He forgave us when we didn't deserve it. I'm not asking to forgive someone because they deserve it. Oh, no. I'm not asking to forgive them because you're such a strong Christian. I'm not asking to forgive them because it's the right thing to do. I'm asking to forgive them because your future is worth it. This is about you not being stuck. So I want to challenge you to do something right now. We're, we're not just going to talk about something and then not do it. And so I, how dumb would it be for us to teach something and not apply it? So right now across all of our campuses, let's just bow our heads. It's already on your mind. You already know who it is. So right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and maybe you're like me sometimes when I rethink about these old stories, I have to re-forgive them. You ever had to do that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys know you forgive someone, they still keep talking? They still keep popping off on Facebook? You gotta re-forgive them, right? It's right now, why don't you just pray this simple prayer. Say, God, you forgave me, so I forgive them. Let it go because your future's worth it. God, thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that you gave me a second chance. You forgave me when I didn't deserve it. So Lord, who am I to hold on to that and not forgive someone else? So God, I forgive them whether they ever even seek it out or not, I forgive them. Whether I ever see them again. Lord, maybe I'm, I'm having to forgive someone that's not even alive anymore. But God, I let it go. Forgive them, Lord. They may not even known of what they've done to me, but God, I let it go. I forgive them. Thank you, Jesus. Your forgiveness is so good. You forgive me and you allow me the grace to forgive someone else. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. You're no longer stuck. Isn't that great? God gives you the ability to forgive someone else so you can move forward. This isn't about them, it's about him. It's about you receiving his full forgiveness and giving it out and so you can move forward in your life as well. Forgive whoever has hurt you. Now, let me go back and show you something, Job chapter one. Why would Job be asked to do burnt offerings for his friends? Because we forgot Job's not just Job, Job was actually a priest. Did you know that? Job chapter one, it says this in verse five. And when the feast was over, Job would consecrate his children and he would offer burnt offerings for them all. You can't do that unless you're a priest. Did you know that? So remember, this is Old Testament. Now we know we have the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus was a lamb of God. He died for all of our sins. But back in the Old Testament, they had to always make sacrifices constantly for their sins. And he would make all these sacrifices to cover his kids' sins. He's like, well, maybe they messed up this week. I'm just gonna do a sacrifice, make sure they're good with God. 
So he was a mediator between God and his people. And God says to his friends, hey, if you want to be right with me, you got to go through Job because I love you enough not to go directly to you because if I do, it would kill you. Did you know that? Being in the presence of God. So we always have to have a mediator. Now our mediator is Christ. But Job represents Christ in this moment. He's like, I am going to pray for my friends. I'm going to ask God to forgive them. And God says, I will, but I need Job to be a mediator between me and, and, and them. And so God does that. So we had to forgive those who have hurt us and even, dare I say, pray for them. You, really, you, you know how you know you're really over being hurt by somebody? When you can celebrate when they win. Some of you went, ooh. <laughs> See, the way you really know that you're forgiven someone is if something good happens in their life, you're like, good. Like, God bless my ex. Helps them to marry someone better looking than me. Oh, that's hard. And richer than me, right? You're like, oh, no, come on, God. Come, you can, don't do that. Come on. But the way you know you've really forgiven someone is if they're blessed and you're happy for them. Come on. It's hard to do that, isn't it? Let's be honest, right? You're like, God, bless them with an okay marriage. You know, <laughs> like, no, no. No, God, bless them with a great marriage. Bless them with an okay career. No, 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 God, bless them with a great career. You know, but bless them financially and bless them, help them be happy. And I know that's hard for us to do, but the way that you'll know you're really set free is when you're good with them being blessed. Because you know what? They are also God's child. And God wants to bless all of his kids. So, okay, God, you know what? Bless them. I'll be happy for them when they do well. That's when you know you're truly set free. Forgive those who have hurt you. And then this is the key that, that turns the tide of your suffering. I know this is gonna sound crazy. This is gonna be so simple, you're almost not gonna get it because it's so simple. But, but don't miss simplicity with not being dynamic, it's powerful. It, it's inc there's incredible power in simple things. Just like forgiving is powerful, it's simple. It's not hard to do, it's just, it's, just, it's just simple, but it's crazy to do it. But when you do it, it sets you free. Well, this next thing will set you free too. Let me tell you, the best way that you can overcome your suffering is right here. This is a power pack verse that we miss. Job chapter 42, verse 10. Here is the crux of how you can turn the tide. Wouldn't it be nice to shorten your suffering? Here's how you do it. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. What? All he did was pray for them. No, but you're missing the power of this. What does this mean Job did? Job got his eyes off of himself. The best way for you to receive healing is to quit focusing on your healing. The best way for you to overcome your pain is to quit focusing on your pain. If you want to overcome your pain, focus on helping other people overcome their pain. Get your eyes off yourself. Pray for your friends. Get your eyes off yourself. It says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored him. How did the Lord restore him? Check it out. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home as they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. All his friends brought him money. I'm cool with that. All my friends can bring me money. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Think about that. Like, those are some friends right there. Man, you brought me some kazash. Let's go. You brought me, it's like Johnny Manziel over here. Like, hey, let's, okay, I'm cool. So God says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna bring resources to you. I'm gonna bring your friends back. They're gonna be celebrating you again. I mean, this is night and day from what Job had experienced. And so God says, I will bless you. And he says, I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna give you twice as much as before. God says, I will give you double for your trouble. Someone needs to get excited right now. God says, I'll bless you. Look what it says. 
Zechariah chapter 9 says, Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore you double. Wow. What's God's, God says this, return to your stronghold. The, the strength of your life is what? God, right? And he says, oh, prisoners of hope. You've been a prisoner of your suffering long enough. You've been a prisoner of that addiction long enough. You've been a prisoner of that anger long enough. We just took care of that. Now become a prisoner of hope. Say, I'm going to lock myself in with God and I'm going to stay focused on the fact that my God will re restore me. He will redeem me. He will bless me. I'm not going to give this up. I'm going to become a prisoner to it till he does it. God says, I'll do it. He says, lock in your hope, lock the door until I bring you blessing and God will do it. How do you receive God's blessing? You get your eyes off of yourself. Jessica and I have a, a friend named Catherine Dane. Her and her husband, Daniel, uh, own, they owned a bunch of Domino's pizzas together. In 2022, Daniel died of cancer. It was tragic and uh, she wasn't expecting it, came out of nowhere, shocked her. And now she's a widow and she's got all these pizza franchises. And within just a few months of, of Daniel passing, you know, she was just, of course, totally shocked by all this. A friend of hers came to her because her and Daniel were really into the local hockey team here. And uh, basically they were sponsors of it, really big into it. And, and this friend came to her and said, hey, would you take in one of the hockey players to live with you? And she was like, I just lost my husband. Are you crazy? And she goes, no, that's exactly why I'm calling you. What? She says, yeah, can you, can you help take care of someone else? And she was like, I mean, if you really need me to, I guess I will. I mean, I have the space now. I have the room. So she takes in one. She said, then I took in two, then three. She said, now I got a house full of hockey players. And she said this to me. She said, Bill, they saved me. You see, she used to take care of her husband. That's so what you do when you're married. If you're doing it right, you're taking care of someone. You're taking care of each other. And that's what she did until the day her husband passed. And God allowed a friend to see the need to say, hey, I'm going to bring you someone you can take care of. And she said, Pastor Bill, she told me this she said, just last night. We were talking on the phone. She said, Pastor Bill, we prayed and we tried to have children together. We couldn't. She goes, but now I realize I've got a ton of kids. I've got all these young people that work at Domino's Pizza that I'm always helping out. And she said, and now I've got all these young hockey players. They're all 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They're all apart from their family. They're thousands of miles from their family. They're trying to make it in this hockey league. You know, and she said, and I'm able to pour into them and love them, be there for them. She said, I'm telling you, they have saved me. Catherine gets it. How do you overcome great loss you get your eyes on helping others. You want to see what this looks like? Go to our Westside ministry. Almost everyone's serving in our Westside ministry. Let's give it up for our Westside ministry. It's amazing. It's incredible what they do. Go there. Almost everyone on that team that's serving others, how can they minister to others who are going through hell? Because they themselves have been through hell too. God never wastes a hurt. He will use your pain to help and minister to someone else. I can't tell you how many countless times I've shared the story like I did last week of losing our first child. And I've been able to minister to thousands of people from that pain that I had the process that I still don't know why, but God has used that. He's used that to remind me of people hurting, the betrayal I went through a number of years ago. You know how many times I've had to talk to someone about betrayal and said, oh, I get it. I know where you are. I know what it looks like when it makes no sense. People you have blessed hurt you. It's almost like the more you bless them, the more they hurt you. I get it. 
And you're able to use that to help and administer to others. We're about to have today, by the way, at one o'clock, a, a next steps class. This is just a way to get involved. If you're really hurting, I want to encourage you. This is what people do. They say something like this. They say, well, I'll get involved in the church, you know, whenever I get through this pain. No, you're getting it wrong. That's like saying, I'll take a shower after I get cleaned up. No, no, no. The shower is what cleans you up, right? And so you don't start serving because you get over your pain. You start serving and the serving causes you to get over your pain. When you get your eyes on other people, you get healed in the process. So the best time to start serving others is when you need it. You know what I do when I'm discouraged and feel lonely? I get out my phone and I start texting people I love. I love you, man. Just thinking about you, praying for you, hope you're doing well. You say, Pastor, why are you doing that? Don't you need someone to love on you? I said, yeah, I do. And so what I do is I give out what I need. And the more I give out what I need, guess what? It comes back. Make sense? You know why I always know what to preach to? You say, man, it's like you're preaching right to me. You know why I know what to preach to you? I preach to someone hurting every week. I just write a sermon for myself. It's easy for me to preach to you hurting. You know why? Because I'm hurting. And when I preach to you how I'm hurting, God uses that because God uses weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. So many times when I'm hurting, I'm preaching to you encouraging you. And I leave encouraged too. When you serve others, you get served. When you pour into others, God pours back into you. When you bring compassion to others, God brings compassion to you. In other words, God said, if you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll give your life away, you'll gain a life. So I'm here to say to you today, go to the next steps class today, get a life. That's how you get a life. You begin to pour into other people, find ways to serve, and then guess what? You end up being served. Get your eyes off yourself, just like my friend Catherine did. She says, Pastor Bill, they saved me. Incredible. Job chapter 42, verse 12 says this. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Now I don't know what all that means, but apparently anyone who was in the industry back then knew that meant a lot of money. And so why was God so specific? Because God said, I'm going to give you double. And God literally did give him double. And then God gave him double the life. Did you know that? You know, we know that God, that, that God allowed Job to be struck by the devil around age 70, around 210 is when he died. So God gave him double the years of blessing that he had before. Isn't that cool? God keeps his word. You know how I know God's going to give you double blessing? Because God's not a liar. Amen. It's not based upon you. It's based upon his character. That's why I know he's going to bless. Someone needs to get excited because God's got a better chapter for you. He's got good things for you. What I'm trying to tell you is this. There is life after tragic seasons. I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. I tell people every, every time I do a funeral, I tell the person who's lost a loved one, I say, I want you to call me in a week. Let's give it a week. You're going to have a lot of people barraging you right now, coming to your house, bringing you food, calling you. Just call me in a week because there's some things I need to tell you. One of the most important things I tell them is this. This may surprise you. I tell them some things that may really shock you, actually. First, I'm going to tell them, they say, what should I do now? I said, go to work. What do you mean? I can't, I can't even function. I said, I know. Go to work. What do you normally do? Your, well, you know, my spouse was alive. I'd go to the gym. Go to the gym. Well, and, you know, I used to go to, to these. We had season tickets to blah, blah. Go get season tickets again. Well, who's going to sit with me? Find a friend. Take someone with you. Get back in your life. Yes. Do what you did before. One of the things we forget, God said, hey, Job, pray for your friend. What was Job? He was saying, hey, you remember when you were a priest? Go back and be a priest. Go do what you did before. But now you're going to do everything you did before, same routine, but now you're sensitive to the needs of others like never before. Why? Because you're hurting. When you see someone with their head down in the gym, you'd be like, hey, are you okay? Why? Oh, because my head used to be down. 
How can I help you? How can I pray for you? All of a sudden you're sensitive to the needs of others. Go do what you used to do. Don't check out of life. Now you're more sensitive to the things of God. Go back to work. Go back to working out. Go back to exercise. Go back to the gym. Go back to all the things you used to do. Go do those again. Don't check out of life. Check back in life with more passion than you've ever had before. Because now your eyes are on other people. God has a future for you. You are not done. There is life after your tragedy. Isn't that good? And I had to go 30 minutes in this message just to get down to this point because I had to get your spirit ready for it. I'm about to tell you. I'm going to tell you a secret. Can I do that? Let's keep it between us. Okay, just, just, just us. This is a secret. But I had to get you ready. I had to, I had to get you to this point because if I started with this, you would have rejected it. But I want to tell you now why God let Job go through everything. This is the only why I can find that's very clear in his life and in yours and in mine. Here it is. You ready? You may want to write this down. I promise you, it'll change your life if you let this soak in. Here's why the Lord lets things happen to us like this. Here's why. You ready? Because who God uses greatly, he first wounds deeply. Amen. Who God uses greatly, he first wounds deeply. I don't think my ministry really began with the power God's given it until I've been betrayed, until I've been wounded, until I got hurt big time. That's what God uses. It's producing in me a spirit of excellence, a godliness, a compassion that I did not have without my pain. How about you? Can we just be honest? We are better people with our wound than we were without. Whom God uses greatly, he first wounds deeply. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. Maybe it's time like Job for you to say, God, I accept it. I receive it. I embrace it. I don't understand, but I don't have to understand. I just know you're God. I love how Job said, I thought I knew you. <laughs> this guy who was the most godly, man around said, I, I, I just, I thought I knew you, but I didn't really know you until I felt this pain. How can I know the heart of God unless I know the pain of God, the pain that we've rejected him, that we've hurt him, that he sent his own son, his son had to die for us to be right with him. How can I know your heart, God, unless I know the pain that you've gone through for me? By his stripes, that means by the pain, by the lashings, we are healed. God, now I walk with you, now I know you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Just pray this with, with me right now. You can say this prayer. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Every head bowed across all of our campuses right now. If you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high right now? If you just prayed that prayer, just hold your hand high. If you just gave your life to Christ, your hand's going up all across our campuses. Thank you. We see your hands right here at the broadcast. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Just gave your life to Christ. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Portland. Hold that hand high. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God, Rockport Fulton. Hold that hand high. Padre Island, we see you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Rodfield. 
think you still know, hold that hand high. Those online, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now if you just gave your life to Christ. You're in our prison ministry. Let us know, your hands raised. You can write us a letter, we'll write you back. We praise God for you. Those who have given your life to Christ, praise God. Father, thank you for the way you're moving in our midst. Thank you, God, for Job. Thank you for the example he is that we all go through pain. But Lord, it's how we process it. We trust in you. We get our eyes off ourselves, And we recognize you put us on this earth to help bring healing to those who are hurting. How can we do that if we've not taken the wound ourselves? Thank you, God, for turning the tide of our suffering today. Thank you for your truth. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.